<clears throat> this changes everything. Easter is going to be good. I get excited about Easter. I'm just like, I want to go to that. Wait a minute, I got to preach at that. Like, I just want to be there. It's going to be good. Easter is going to be good. Um, just want to remind you guys that next week we are having here live in services all morning long. John Bevere, he's going to be here. How many of you guys are like, I don't even know who that is? Some of you guys, right? That's okay. It's going to be good. And he's not going to be yelling the whole time. I mean, that's pretty cool. But he's just a really well-known speaker and author. Um, he's written some amazing books, Bait of Satan, Extraordinary, uh, Relentless. What else? Distinguished. He's written some amazing books. Um, but he's going to be here live all three morning services and on Saturday night, the Saturday night before. Friday night, if you go to Friday night service, they're just going to get a, a pre DVD of him because he isn't here till Friday night or Saturday morning. But Saturday and Sunday, um, invite your friends. It's going to be good. He's going to have all those books and stuff for sale. If you're like, this guy's good, what else does he do? He writes some books and that's going to all be here. So that's next week. The week after that, though, you got to remember is Easter. We're doing an Easter Friday. We're doing a, sorry, a, a, what is a Friday? Good Friday. <laughs> Like, I'm freaking out here. There's so much going on in my mind. Good Friday service will be here on Friday night, and it's going to be special. We're going to set it up just a different feel. It's going to be a, a real similar message to what's going to be on Easter Sunday, but the worship feel of it, the vibe, the prayer, it's going to be different. If you want to come check that out, it will be different from Easter services. Um, that will be on Friday. And then on Easter morning, Sunday morning, the new time change. How many people said, sleep in, right? <laughs> You get an extra half hour to sleep in on Easter Sunday. We're going to be changing the service times from 7, 9, and 11. And again, the reminder, the motivation for that is that we're just trying to bless that 7 a.m. service with a full-length service. So we're making room in our 9, our 8.30 and 10.30 are moving to 9 and 11. So you guys get to sleep in, but the new service time changes will be happening that weekend. There's lots of stuff going on around this church. We're fired up. Easter is coming. Uh, the weekend after that, we're doing Compassion Weekend. You're going to hear more about what Compassion International does. Have a chance to sponsor kids that need your love. Even though you don't know them, they need to have a better chance at life and knowing Jesus and changing their community. And we get to have the privilege, the opportunity to give to them. And so that's going to be a really exciting weekend. So there's a lot of stuff that's coming up. Um, yesterday, how many of you guys were at our Easter Fest? Anybody you guys make it out there? It was good. It was fun. And you know what? Friday night, we heard that the rain was coming on Saturday. We heard the weather reports that Kaneohe was supposed to get doused with rain and all of this stuff. And uh, my wife led our whole church in prayer that the rain would hold off until 4 o'clock because the thing was from 10 to 2, and we wanted to make sure no rain even for the, the, the packing up, the cleaning up and everything. So she said, God, just hold it back till 4 o'clock. And you know what? The whole day was dry. We had one little shot where a light little shower came through like just sprinkling but it was dry god held off the rain we actually sat up here at one point like around 12 o'clock or something and we watched the rain coming in over the mountains from this side and then all of a sudden we saw it stop there and swing towards kailua and we're like yeah take that kailua we're we're gonna stay dry here and then we we watched it go all around the mountains kahalua's getting it someone actually said this i was just in kanioi safeway giving blood at the blood driver or whatever down there and it was pouring in Kanyoi at Safeway. And we're right on the mountain, and it stayed dry for us. How weird is that, that it swung all around? That's God, yeah? Amen for that. That was cool. But we had a great time, and I got to cl climb the rock wall. And, you know, Trevor and Frank were battling it out on all the things. It was fun. They tried to get me to go in the Velcro wall. You got to put on that suit. I'm like, are you kidding me? I'm not, you know how many people have worn that suit and sweated in that suit? Just the thought of it was like, ugh. You go, that's all you. Have fun with that, you know? So I didn't do that thing, but the main thing was that it was for our community. It was, yeah. I got to meet all of these new people. People are coming up and going, you know what? I don't come to church here as often as I should, but thank you for what you do. I think I'm going to start coming more often. And other people have never been there before. I didn't know you guys were up here. How's your guys' view? This is unreal. And I'm like, that's right. Come to church. You get the view every day, every Sunday. But, um, the whole thing was we had fun, but really it was for our friends and family to know Jesus. It wasn't necessarily for them to know Hope Chapel, although that's part of them getting to Jesus, but we just want people in the kingdom of heaven. We want people to know our living God, and so I'm glad that that's what happened yesterday, that there was a lot of new faces. So thank you guys for spreading the word and for bringing your, your friends and your family members, and if anybody came new this morning, welcome. Thanks for joining us, but it was a good day. 
Um, you guys ready to get into the Word? Really, that's all God gets this morning? Really? Yeah, I, I guess we might as well. We're here, right? Are you guys ready to hear from the Lord this morning? All right, that's what we want to hear. We're fired up. Thank you, Lord. God, we are blessed to come before you this morning, Lord, to enter into your word. We pray that it would speak to us, that it would change our lives, Lord, that this wouldn't be a religious club or any of that kind of stuff, Lord, but we're here to hear from you. We're here to make our lives better. We're here to glorify you and to, to be equipped to tell other people, to, to just strengthen our family, to grow it bigger, Lord. Um, to show other people what we have in you. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for meeting us here this morning and being in this place right now. In Jesus' name, we all said amen. amen. All right, we're going to get right into it. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Um, the title this morning is called Support the Message. And here's what the message is, if you haven't already kind of figured out. The message is the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, that we born into our sin and our separation from God because of Adam and Eve in the Bible created to have fellowship and be with God, kind of turned away and rebelled and did their thing. And so mankind from then on has kind of been in this place where we want to live things on our own. The good news is that God said, I'm going to give you laws throughout the Old Testament. If you do these things, you'll be, you'll be obeying me. You'll have good relationship. But he goes, you know, that wasn't good enough. That's not working. It's so hard. People are still separated. They can't seem to keep the law. So I'm going to come up with a new plan that I'm going to actually send my son, Jesus, to go down to earth and give people a way, a permanent way, to have relationship with me and me in their life. So the good news is that Jesus came to set us free from the, the way we've been living for ourselves, for this world, actually for the enemy without even knowing it. We're in the devil's hands. And yet he goes, the good news is that Jesus is coming. He's going to set you free. He's going to make things right. You can have a relationship with God now on earth and into eternity in heaven. That is good news, isn't that? And so that is the message now that we talk about. In fact, one of the versions of the Bible, we have the New Living Translation, the New International. We have all these different versions, right, of how it's written in different kind of uh, styles of language. But one of them that we read quite often from is the message version of the Bible, where they really break it down into modern English. And I really like to read the message version of the Bible for my daily devotions. Because when I wake up in the morning and I'm groggy and things aren't making sense to me, the message breaks it down in such an easy, simple way that I, I really get hit right in the face, real easy, cutting through all my morning grogginess, and it's just real super plain street language of the Bible. When I want to study the Bible and be a little bit more accurate and deliver a good message, then I go to different versions, just so you guys know. And sometimes I go back to reading things in the, the Greek words and, and all of that stuff. But the message, this is what we're talking about today, the good news that Jesus is here, he offers salvation for us. Uh, this is what we're talking about today. Paul has been talking, if you guys remember the past few weeks, he's been giving them instructions, the church that got off track, the Corinthian church. And he's been answering questions. What about marriage? How does that look like in scripture? So Paul's been writing and telling, this is how you do it, godly ways. And then last week we talked about food sacrifice to idols, right? And how we're not supposed to lord our mature walk with God over other people that are more immature than us, right? We're not trying to be like, well, I know God, I'm going to heaven and look at you, you're a sinner. And he's given all these instructions, and he's, he's kind of writing these letters to the Corinthian church, and he's, he's putting them on blast a little bit, right? He's kind of going, hey, guys, you better, there's a little bit of hard words, a little bit of discipline, because you're the church of God. You've got to represent in the right way. And so today what he's addressing is that as he's out there supporting the message, and he's giving the message, and he's a messenger for God, he's reminding some of the people here in Corinth, and all the way actually back down to us, is that as Christians, we've got to remember that we got to support the message one way by being a messenger ourselves, but a second way by supporting other messengers. There's, there's people out there that live their whole lives like me or church staff or, or really just people that have spoken into your life that went out of their way to be a messenger of God to say, I'm praying for you. I want to get you into church. I want to get you into a relationship with God. we got to remember and we got to thank and we got to honor those people in our lives. One, way that, one of the ways that we support the message going out is that we support the messengers that are bringing it to us so that they can continue to be like, oh, that's right, this is why I do this. That's right, I need to buckle down. I'm going to go harder because I'm hearing that it's actually benefiting. So, so people had been questioning, we're going we're gonna to determine through the text, that people in Corinth had been questioning Paul on his authority to speak to them. Who are you to tell me how I should live my, mess, my, my marriage? Who are you to tell me that I shouldn't look down on other Christians and do the food sacrifice to idols and all that stuff? Who are you? Well, I question your authority. So Paul's having to write a little bit now to come in and go, look, here, I'm going to tell you my authority. I've spoken into your life. 
You exist as Christians today because I brought the message to you. Don't I deserve a little bit of respect? In fact, all of the spiritual leaders in our lives, even our lives today, shouldn't we honor them and respect them and continue to support and encourage them because they're bringing the message to people like us? Shouldn't we make sure that the gospel keeps going by supporting the other messengers? So this is where we get into it. Um, look at verse 1, talking about support the messengers. So Paul says, Am I not as free as anyone else? Am I not an apostle? The word apostle means one who is sent out. Now, we a lot of times refer to the original 12, the disciples, as the apostles that Jesus sent out with a specific message. But in a broader sense, it, it actually kind of defines all of us, that we all have the message. We're called to be sent out into this world to give the message to other people. So in a broader sense, all of us are apostles. But they're kind of questioning him, going, well, you weren't one of the original apostles. Paul, who do you think you are? He goes, am I not an apostle? Verse 2, uh, haven't I seen Jesus our Lord with my own eyes? Isn't it because of my work that you belong to the Lord? Actually, in verse 1 where he says, haven't I seen Jesus our Lord with my own eyes? Technically, he didn't walk around with the other 12. If you remember reading the Gospels, Paul wasn't one of them. It wasn't until after the resurrection, remember how Paul became a Christian? He was persecuting Christians. He was an enemy of Christians. He was anti. He was a Pharisee, but he was in the religious mindset that said, no, Old Testament law is king, is rule, and who's this Jesus guy? So he's mad that Jesus and his followers are around. He's persecuting them. He's on his way on the road to Damascus. This blinding light from heaven literally blinded him, put cataracts on his eyes, and a voice spoke to him. So he didn't see Jesus in the flesh as a human form, but he met with Jesus as the blinding light, as the voice, because he said, he said, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? This voice from heaven. And, and Saul goes, oh, I can't even see you. Who are you? He says, it is me, Jesus, who you've been persecuting. So it was actually the resurrected Jesus in the form of the light and the voice that Paul met face to face. So he's saying, look, don't I have authority? Didn't I see Jesus our Lord with my own eyes? In fact, he blinded me. He says, isn't it because of my work that you belong to the Lord? He goes, guys, the, the reason that you're Christians today, isn't it because I came to Corinth? And I was with Priscilla and Aquila, and we were hanging out with you guys and giving you this message. He goes, even if others think that I'm, I'm not an apostle, I certainly am to you. You yourselves are proof that I'm the Lord's apostle. He goes, call me an apostle or not. Titles don't matter. But wasn't I the guy that came in and brought the message of Jesus Christ to you so that now you're living, living proof that you're Christian today? If I hadn't come in there, wasn't, wasn't I the guy? He's not trying to brag. He's just trying to make a point that says, I have authority to speak into your life because I love you enough. I brought you Jesus. I'm trying to keep you on track. Verse 3, this is my answer to those who question my authority. Don't we, and he's talking about all those that have brought the message, spiritual leaders, don't we have the right to live in your homes and share your meals? Remember, Paul is a missionary. He's been going around from, from city to city, visiting, preaching the good news, and the only way that he's allowed to have a place to stay or whatever is he's going, shouldn't you guys kind of provide for us? He goes, really, I'm just a tent maker. And on the side, I'm, I'm, building, I'm making tents and I'm selling them so that I can have enough money to feed myself and have a place to stay. But because I'm blessing you and pushing you towards Jesus, don't we have the right to stay in your homes and share your meals? Don't we have the right to bring a Christian wife with us as the other apostles and the Lord's brothers do and as Peter does? Or is it only Barnabas and I who have to, have to work to support ourselves? What soldier has to pay his own expenses? What farmer plants a vineyard and doesn't have the right to eat some of its fruit? What shepherd cares for a flock of sheep and isn't allowed to drink some of the milk? Am I expressing merely a human opinion? In other words, he's going, do you think I'm just saying this out of my own desire? Or, or does the law, the Old Testament law that these people all knew, doesn't it say the same thing? For the law of Moses in the Old Testament, Deuteronomy, says you must not muzzle an ox to keep it from eating as it treads out the grain. Was God thinking only about oxen when he said this? Wasn't he actually speaking to us? Yes, it was, writ it was written for us so that the one who plows and the one who threshes the grain might both expect a share of the harvest. The point that Paul is trying to make here is that he's saying, look, there's spiritual leaders that have spoken into your life that have given you Jesus and all that comes with that, straightening out your marriages, straightening out your, your finances, giving you hope, giving you forgiveness, setting you free from all these addictions, all this hard stuff. People have changed your life. They've given you Jesus. Don't they, aren't they allowed to have the right for you to bless them, to honor them, to take care of them? And in this case, especially because they're traveling missionaries, going around preaching, 
they're not making any other money. Paul on his own was going, I'm going I'm to make tents and do this, but these guys are giving up their life, and so we ought to support these spiritual leaders. Paul was a life changer, and he's going, at the least, can I expect a little bit of honor and a little bit of thanks? You're, you're questioning me when I'm trying to help you with your life, writing you letters about this, and you're going, who's this Paul guy? Who does he think he is? And Paul's going, man, there's people that God has anointed to be messengers, to bring you closer to him, to do all this blessing in your life. Shouldn't we at least be honoring them and providing for them? And the, the main point he's trying to say, if you're taking notes, is giving spiritual leaders what they deserve. Give them what they deserve, the people in your life that have spoken. There's a point um, where he actually says, hey, aren't you guys living proof that, that I'm responsible for giving you Jesus Christ? In the book of Philemon, if you've ever written that, written, uh, read that book, not written it because that was not written by you, it was written by Paul. But in the, in the book of Philemon, Paul writes to his friend Philemon in regards to this, this slave that Philemon owned. And the slave became a Christian. You read the book, and I don't want to give away the story, but basically Paul is asking his friend Philemon for a favor. And he goes, hey, I'm asking you for this favor. And he actually says this in his thing. Um, don't make me remind you that you owe me your very soul. Right? Paul goes, oh, by the way, can I, I'm asking a favor of you, and, and don't forget that you have your soul in Jesus Christ because of me. Right? So he's kind of saying, didn't I do that? Can I at least expect a little bit of a favor in return? And as we're looking, about, looking into this thing, in this, in this verse, in the scripture, what Paul's trying to say is, who are the spiritual leaders in your life? Make sure you honor them. Make sure you support them, right? And I want us to just for a minute think of the people that we wouldn't be where we are today in the Lord if it wasn't for these people, right? Think of all the people. And you might go, oh, yeah, the pastors, and oh, you know, it might be leaders or something, but it might be your parents. It might be your parents that, that when you were young, that they said, no, you're going to church because I'm going to get you grounded in Jesus Christ because this is going to pay off later in life. You might rebel against it for a few years or whatever, but your parents planted spiritual seeds in your life. It might be your friends that were nagging you, nagging you. Hey, come to church with me. Come to church with me. Come to church with me, right? And finally, you go, okay, finally I'll go. And you're like, oh, this is pretty cool, right? And you, you develop this relationship with Jesus. And who are the spiritual leaders in your life that have sown seeds into you? I know that there's parents that are sitting in church today because their kids are the ones that brought them to, to know Jesus Christ. Because they got fired up through youth group or whatever, and their lives are changing. And their, their parents are seeing that. They're going, what is going on over here? And the kids go, hey, Dad, come. Come with me to church. Come know this Jesus that I worship and all this. And you're here today because of your kids. But who are the leaders in your life as you begin to think of this? Who are the current spiritual leaders? Maybe the mini church that you go to every week that builds you up, that gives you that dose of extra strength to go on with that week. Maybe you need to take the time to thank that mini church shepherd for what he does, for opening up their house or for putting the time in to lead that discussion and to pray for you every week. But these are all the people that, that Paul's basically kind of saying, think of these people in your life and think of how they've blessed you. What are the things that they do to bless you? As I look over my life and I started thinking about all the people that have sown spiritual seeds into my life, I think of the youth group leaders that I had. When I was in junior high, think back to junior high. Remember how awkward you were in junior high? Remember how you're like, hi, my name is Carl, right? <laughs> Your voice cracks and you're hitting puberty and you're starting to grow hair in places you never grew before, and you're dealing with pimples, and you like start to stink, and you, you learn what antiperspirant deodorant is, and just all the awkwardness of the opposite sex. Remember the junior high school dances are like guys on one side, girls on the other, right? And high school, it's like too close, and like break it up, break it up, right? But think back to junior high, and I think back to those weird years when when I was raised in the church with my parents who always took me, but now I'm starting to develop a little independent thought of, do I really want to believe what my parents believe? Now it's up to me to decide. And I think back to all my youth, youth leaders, Clinton Landeza, who was my junior high pastor, who modeled to me, who lived out the life of faith to me, that said, here's what Jesus is all about in a real way for you to decide, Carl, right where you're at. And those youth leaders that said, God can get you through the, the awkward, rough junior high years. Lean on him. And the people that planted those seeds in my life, I'm like, yeah, thank you. And later on, as I grew up in the church, it was the, the church that developed lifelong friendships with me, that, that one of my best friends in the world is Pastor Tom Landeza, who's in the hospital. We're praying for him right now. But that developed because this church allowed me to have those kind of lifelong relationships, that it was this church, one of our youth leaders back in the day, Gordon Horn, was the guy that introduced me to my high school sweetheart that became my wife. And so I have a lot to be thankful for, for these people that have invested in my life and helped me keep my marriage running strong and 
And the, the church leaders to this day, whether you're, they're younger than me or not, that lead me into worship every morning, right? And Paul is saying, remember these people and take care of them. Provide for them. Thank them. Because one of the ways you, set, you, you can support the message of Jesus Christ going out in this world is remember to support, support his messengers. Take care of those guys so that they get inspired to go do their job better and to keep on going. Isn't that a good word? That's good. And we need to take this to, to, to our minds, to our hearts, and remember the stuff. I think about all the, the Sunday school, the all-stars teachers over there that are teaching our kids. And we're just happy because we don't have to have our kids for an hour and a half on a Sunday morning, right? But they're doing more than that because our kids are coming home reciting Bible verses to us, telling us when we're praying at night and they're telling me how good God is and, Dad, you should pray about that stuff. I'm like, Lord, thank you for the spiritual leaders in our church that are investing in my kids. I need to make sure I thank them once in a while. And maybe if you got the time, maybe you ought to go in there and, and help teach those kids because we need that. We need that help. But think of all these people and how they've blessed you. In fact, when Paul is saying this, like take care of your spiritual leaders, this isn't a new thing. This isn't something that's new to Paul. Let me give you three areas where we see in the Bible that this has gone all the way back. This is a godly principle. In the Old Testament, number one, it's a principle that, that, that we see where God instructed the Levites, the clan of the Levites, to be the priests and to be the ones that take care of the tabernacle and the temple. In other words, you guys are not allowed to work for wages or anything else anywhere. No farming, no nothing. You guys have to be the spiritual leaders and take care of the temple and be the priests. So how are they going to get money? Well, part of this goes all the way back to Old Testament times when he says, all the rest of you guys who get blessed by them bringing God to you, you need to tithe to them. It's going to the church, but part of that tithe is taking care of God's people that are using their whole lives to bless everybody. So it's a biblical concept going back to Old Testament times is that we should provide for those that work in the church, which is really awkward for me to preach this verse today because it's like, hello, I'm a pastor. I'm just asking you to support me. That's weird and it's lame, but it's the word of God and I got to get through it. So whatever. But, um, but then secondly, you see Jesus taught this himself, the son of God in Luke 10, 7. He said to his, his apostles, don't hesitate to accept hospitality because those who work deserve their pay. If you're given blood, sweat, and tears for the message of God going out, then you should go ahead and accept what people are trying to give you to bless you, to take care of you. Because you, those who work deserve their pay. Then thirdly, Paul has talked about it all over. You can even write this verse down if you want. Galatians 6.6, 6, just write that down. 1 Timothy 5.18, there's a couple verses to go look up. But where Paul over and over talks about this concept of providing for your leaders. And in 1 Thessalonians 5.12, I think it's on the screen. He says, dear brothers and sisters, honor those who are your leaders in the Lord's work. They work hard among you and they give you spiritual guidance. Show them great respect and wholehearted love because of their work. Here's, the, here's the, the concept that Paul is trying to teach us right now. Don't be stingy with those who bless you. Don't be stingy with those who bless you. We know that Proverbs 11, 24, and 25 says, the world of the generous gets larger and larger. The world of the smaller, the world, the world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. The one who blesses others is abundantly blessed. Those who help others are helped. Don't be stingy with those who bless you. Now, I'm not trying to draw all attention and say, that's me, your pastor. I'm saying every single person in your life that pushes you forward, that encourages you, that you know is praying for you, that always whenever you got a, a fight with your spouse, they're over there going, hey, you know what? Go back to the word of God, what the word says. And you know what? Go make up with your spouse. That's a good thing. Thank God for those people. Give them the respect that they deserve. I'm not saying you have to pay them or whatever. Treat them to dinner once in a while. Just tell them to their face how much you actually appreciate them and love them, right? Pray for those people. That's one of the things we forget to do about our spiritual leaders. We forget to pray for them because we think, you know what? Our pastors, they got it all going on. They're good with God. I should be praying for the people that really need it. And meanwhile, the pastors sometimes, spiritual leaders in the church, we're the biggest targets for the enemy because we're trying to do the most stuff for God and we become the biggest targets. We value your prayers more than anything else, right? Because we need that covering. But pray for people. Don't be stingy with those who bless you. Think of a time when you've, we, the question we asked this morning, name a time when you felt really appreciated. And you think of how good that feels and it spurs you on to keep going. Well, people need that. The people in your life that have taken time to push you towards Jesus and just encourage you, let them know that they mean a lot to you, that they've done a lot, because that encourages them to keep going farther. That's the reason, part of the reason that we tithe. God, I'm giving it to you, knowing that it's going to serve your purposes and your people that give their whole lives to blessing our church, our community, this world. 
So our tithes are going to support those people. That's why God says tithing is a good, good spiritual concept. But what about mini church? What about just like going and blessing your mini church shepherd and thanking them for what they do week after week? Hey, thank you for providing this place that speaks into my life. Take him to dinner. Every time I go to a, a conference, like the hymn conference they had this weekend, or the, the E&I conference that Hope Chapel West Oahu puts on, or I go to Hillsong Conference, or wherever I go to, I'm already paying the registration fee to get in, right? Which we know helps cover all the costs. But then when they take another offering, and the offering says, if you've been blessed and this has done something for your life, consider giving a love offering. I'm always right there with my wife. Kanani, get the checkbook out. We're writing these guys. These guys just blessed our life, inspired us, motivated us. They deserve to be honored. I'm going to give to them. I want to have a spirit of generosity that says, yeah, I already got charged the payment at the door, but you know what? That just blessed my life. And here's Paul saying, bless those that bless you. So let me write a check to those guys. You guys see where I'm going with this? Always be thankful and be grateful because you know that if you're a person that blesses others, it says right there in verse 25 of Proverbs 11, the one who blesses others is abundantly blessed. Those who help others are helped. God will take care of you. Appreciate people. When's the last time you just gave a real true heartfelt compliment to someone, right? Or, or a thanks. And I think a lot of times we forget to do this. But you know how much I get a lot of Emails, not a lot, hopefully not too much, but I get emails from time to time talking about the one thing that I do wrong. I may be doing all this good stuff and leading this church and loving on people and trying to get people into a relationship with Jesus, and I say one dumb thing in a sermon, one little comment, and I get like a four-page email on how like I'm not a godly person and blah, 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 right? And I'm just like, wow, what, what about all the good I do? But you know what? That one negative, com that negative comment, it destroys me, doesn't it? One negative thing that someone says about you just wrecks you, and you're like, am I like that? Oh, I'm such a jerk. What am I doing? I should quit, right? And we get like this, but how valuable are the little texts or the emails or the words or whatever I get to just say, thanks for being my pastor. Thanks for doing a good job bringing the word to me. You've changed my life. Oh, man, that just does so much for me. But we need this. But we need to be a people that are quick to do this because even right now, I was talking to Noah right here. We were talking about that question. He said one of the youth kids he invested in years ago the other day just, just met with him and said, Noah, thank you for all that you put in my life and invested in my life. And he named all the different things. And Noah said he was just like floored because someone actually, someone's listening out there. Someone accepted, someone's giving me thanks that I, I worked hard on this kid and I invested in him, I prayed in him, and he actually felt it. And then as we we're talking, he asked me, oh, what, what's someone that, you know, it, uh, you appreciated you and you felt appreciated? And I couldn't help but think of the time when Noah took me to coffee at Starbucks one time when he was just out of high school, I think, or something. Um, and we went to Starbucks, and I'm like, oh, what's this talk all about? And he just goes, I just want to thank you, Carl, for investing in my life. I wouldn't be a Christian where I am today if it wasn't for you. And how I was just like, kind of like, <sighs> smoke in my eyes a little bit, right? You know, I'm like, I'm like, oh, thanks, Noah. But at home, I was like, come on, you know, what, you know what Noah just said? Oh, my gosh, I feel so good. Thank you. That I'm going to go harder because someone got my back and someone appreciates it. Do you see how that can cause the message to go further, the messenger to be strengthened, if we would just take the time to build up that messenger? You guys see where this is going? We need to be appreciative people and, and continue to encourage one another and really make people feel appreciated. Don't be just a funeral friend, because I think about funerals all the time. Don't be just a funeral friend. You guys know where I'm going with this? When someone dies at the funeral, everybody's quick to write all the long things, to say the eulogy. This guy was unreal. He, he was a motivation for my life. He did all this. He's the greatest guy to walk the face of this earth. And I appreciate all the times of this and all the stories. Why do you have to wait till the person's dead and gone before you compliment them so heavily? How much better could we do if while they're alive, we took the time to get over the awkward weirdness of giving someone a heartfelt compliment, go to their face and just go, thank you for inspiring my life and for all you do. I think you're one of the greatest people. Tell them to their face while they're living instead of after they're dead and gone, right? Think of how much better that person could have lived their life if people were telling them what they really thought of them and complimenting them, right? Don't just be a funeral friend. Be an in-life living friend and risk the weirdness. Remember how I told you last week I, I called up Mike Kai and we were talking, we were having that little, oh man, I love you, you know, one of those bro moments? Have more of those moments. Have more of those awkward moments while you're alive and living because people need to hear that. Because for the message to go further, the messenger needs to be empowered to know that they're doing a good job. Amen? Amen. You guys believe it? Yes. Are you going to live it? Yes. 
because that's the real thing. We got to go do something about this. I don't expect that you come to church every day for the pep talk and you go back and just live your same life, right? The reason that people get in the locker room and hear the talk from the coach is so that they go play the game better. So we got to live this stuff when we hear this every Sunday morning is, I'm going to go compliment people this week. I'm going to build up the messengers. Then the next few verses he goes into describing himself. He goes into describing himself as a messenger and what a godly messenger should, should look like. Because for us to be good, godly messengers that are giving the message, we should have the right attitude too. Not an attitude that says, yeah, that's right. You guys better give me money. You better give me praise. You better write me emails. You better do that. That's not why messengers become messengers for Jesus. That there should be humility that goes along with it. And this is what Paul says about himself. Verse 11, since we've planted spiritual seed among you, aren't we entitled to a harvest of physical food and drink? If you support others who preach to you, shouldn't we have an even greater right to be supported? Because Paul was the guy that first brought the, the word to these Corinthians. He says, but we have never used this right. That's heavy. He says, clearly the messengers deserve to be taken care of. But personally, Paul is saying, I'm not going to take advantage of that right. He goes, I think you should provide for all these other guys that spread the word, and I deserve it too. But my personal stance, Paul is saying, I'm not going to take up that right. I'm not going to accept anything from anybody. And he goes on and he says, we would rather put up with anything than be an obstacle to the good news about Christ. Don't you realize that those who work in the temple get their meals from the offerings brought to the temple? And those who serve at the altar get a share of the sacrificial offerings? In the same way, the Lord ordered that those who preach the good news should be supported by those who benefit from it, right? Jesus himself, the Lord, talked about this, talked about tithing, talked about take care of the messengers. And he says, yet, in verse 15, I, Paul speaking, have never used any of these rights. And I'm not writing this to suggest that I want to start now. In fact, I'd rather die than lose my right to boast about preaching without charge. What Paul is teaching is he's saying, I do deserve to be taken care of. Paul, are you back there? <laughs> he goes, I do deserve to be taken care of, and I've, brought, I've planted spiritual seed among you. I've brought you closer to Jesus, and all of these other people do too, and they deserve it. But here's Paul, personal stance is above the other guys. He just says, but you know what? I feel like I'm the first missionary to go out and all of this. I don't want you to have anything that you would hold against me, so I'm not going to allow you to even give to me. I'm going to keep doing my tent making, supporting myself, staying where I need to stay. I'm not going to take advantage of the rights. Although the rights that I deserve and every other mission-minded person and pastor, they deserve it. For me, I'm just not going to do it. Because Paul is just modeling to the rest of us, hey, you guys that are Christian leaders and you speak into someone's life, be humble about it. Remember why you're giving the message. You focus on the message, not the messenger. You're not in it to say, like, oh, wasn't it good that, you know, I, I'm your pastor? Come on, give me that compliment, the pat on the back, right? Like, oh, look, I'm going to go help out. I'm going to teach Sunday school. I hope everybody's watching. Look at how much of a servant I am, right? I'm going to get up and sing on the worship team because I dig the fame and I dig the lights in my face, right? It's saying, no, that's not the reason. Paul here is modeling. Look, I do deserve all this stuff because I am bringing a good thing to you guys, but I'm not going to do any of it. I want to keep my mind focused on the messaging. He was a humble guy. He didn't abuse his rights. Although he had the rights, his personal decision was to go with none of that. Godly leaders, godly messengers, that's us as we're messengers, and those in our lives that we look to should not be greedy, should not be selfish. That if you start to sense that in me, say something about it. Knock me back now into where I need to be in my life. Anyone that we follow, they should have a humble attitude to remember, I'm doing it for Jesus, not for Carl, right? Godly leaders should be more concerned about building God's kingdom than their own kingdom. It's not about them, and this is what Paul is modeling. In fact, if you guys have heard of the pastor Rick Warren, Saddleback Church, one of the biggest churches in America, in the world, here's a real cool thing. I know people have mixed emotions and reactions to him. He wrote that book, Purpose Driven Life, which contains over a thousand verses of the Bible in it, so you can tell he's pretty grounded in the Bible. But uh, he, gets, he gets controversy sometimes. But one of the things that I love about him that you can't deny is the fact that uh, a few years back, I think it was 2005, when he wrote his book, Purpose Driven Life, it sold so many copies. It's like second only to the Bible in most amount of books sold. He made so much money and profit off that that he told his church this. Look, guys, I've, I've done so well with this book. You've been paying me as a pastor for 25 years. I'm going to write you a check right now for my past 25 years of salary that you've paid me. I'm giving it back to the church for you guys to take. I don't need your money anymore. And from here on out, 
please, as your pastor, I'm asking you, church, don't pay me. And he, he doesn't collect a salary at all from his church anymore because his book took care of him. In fact, he said, my wife and I now, we reverse tithe. We don't tithe 10% and live off of 90. We gave 90% and we're going to live off of 10% because 10% of this book is a big deal. So we're, that's plenty for us to live off of. 90% goes back to the ministry. Isn't that heavy? But I don't care what you think of, of Rick and his attitude and his theology and whatever. To me, that's a humble man that's giving back 90% and says, my church doesn't support me at all. I'm just going to live off of the income of this book. That's the kind of attitude that we need to have. Humility is always a mark of a godly leader. Jesus himself, I came to serve, not to be served. So as we're trying to be godly messengers and we're following godly messengers, make sure they got this kind of a heart of humility like, like the Apostle Paul has. I read this, this quote in this book this past week. Um, the book It that was written by Craig Groeschel, not the other Stephen King one about the scary clown, right? It's a different It book completely. But the, the It book that I've been reading, um, it talks about this kind of a concept about humility and about that truly godly leaders are kingdom-minded. They're not about their own little kingdom like HCKB. That's great that we have a church, but we just want people to know Jesus. So that's a big picture. But there's this quote I read from this pastor, uh, Dino Rizzo. He's got a church in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, but he wrote this. It is amazing what, get, what gets accomplished when no one cares who gets the credit. We have to lay down the egos and the logos and just go get it done for Jesus. Isn't that a good word? And this is the kind of leader that Paul was, and he's reminding us, if we're going to be godly messengers, make sure that you're in it for the message, not for what the messenger gets out of it. The rest of us, make sure you support the messenger because he's doing a good work, but make sure that if you're the messenger, your heart isn't in it for what you can get out of it. You just want people to know Jesus. Um, one of the greatest compliments that I heard the other day was from Pastor Tom. And he goes, I was talking to someone the other night in Alpha or Bible study or something. And he goes, I was talking to this guy. And here's one of the greatest compliments we got for our church. The guy was telling Tom, one of our good friends here at church, he was telling Tom this, that I trust Hope Chapel and I trust the leaders at this church because they basically, in a nutshell, they care more about my walk with God than my walk with HCKB. He says, I go to this church because I live all the way in town and I drive over every week, several services a weekend. He goes, the reason I go here and not to some other church closer is because this church keeps telling me that I should go to another church that, that meets my needs, um, that's closer to me and all that, and they don't care. They're not trying to kick me out, but he says, here's the point, is they care more about me and my walk with Jesus and whatever church is more handy and convenient for me than the fact that, that I would have to come all the way to their church and make sure that, that I stay in their church. Is that getting across, you get that message? And I thought, wow, what a good compliment that he really feels that we just want people to have a relationship with Jesus, that it's not the Carl show, the Hope Chapel Kanye Bay show, that we want you because we were trying to build big numbers. I want the kingdom of God to grow. I can't help but notice that we had an Easter fest yesterday and that New Hope Windward is having an Easter carnival on April 7th or something like that. And I thought, how awesome is that? They were having two big, huge Easter things in our town. That's double chance for people to know Jesus Christ. And as I'm driving and singing those songs, I'm going, God, bless them. Give them sunny weather. Let tons of people come. Lord, maybe they're going to reach people that never came to our Easter fest. Or, Lord, maybe people came to our Easter fest and they're going to go to that one. Double dose, double chance to meet Jesus Christ. God, bless Dave Barr and New Hope Windward because we care about the kingdom. We don't care about Hope Chapel, right? And this is the mark of godly leaders, I want to be this guy. I want to, Paul, I want to follow you. And any of us that, that are messengers for, for Jesus, we're in it because the message is strong, because the messenger is admittedly weak, and God can work through the weak and the foolish of this world to shame the wise. I love that. Matthew 23, verse 12, Jesus himself said, those who exalt themselves will be humbled, but those who humble themselves will be exalted. This is something we need to learn. And then finally, the last few verses, support the message. Um, there's two ways that we support the message, and we're going to look at that. He says in verse 16, Yet preaching the good news is not something that I can boast about. I'm compelled by God to do it. How terrible for me if I didn't preach the good news. In other words, Paul goes, I can't help myself. i got to do this. I'd be in a, in a messed up bad way if I tried to deny what the calling is in my life. Verse 17 says, If I were doing this on my own initiative, then I would deserve payment. But I have no choice. For God has given me this sacred trust of being a messenger for him. What then is my pay? Well, it's the opportunity to preach the good news without charging anyone. 
That's why I never demand my rights when I preach the good news. Paul wasn't in it for the fame or the money or the success or the popularity, right? He did what he did because people need to know Jesus Christ. And he had this heart and he supported the message. He couldn't deny his calling and he couldn't neglect what God had entrusted to him. Um, I was talking with Pastor Tom and some other leaders a little while back. And there's times in our life when it's, the ministry is hard. We put in a lot of hours, and every day we're dealing with people. We're not pushing paperwork. Our whole job is about people and change lives. And sometimes people are messed up, and it gets tough, right? And it gets hard, and you feel rejected, and it's like, oh, i got to remember why I'm in this. But there's times when, when I talk to Tom, I'm like, oh, it's hard, man. Sometimes I feel like I want to quit and just go learn how to be a real estate agent, right? Or something, right? I think of what would be my backup? What's my plan B? And as we talk about this, we laugh, you know, we're just kind of to each other. But then we basically just come to the conclusion of, well, we could never do it. He goes, yeah, I could never do it either. That we know what our calling is. There's no way I could walk away. I think, what if I just up and move my family to Colorado or something like that and try to be someone else? I could never do it. I could never be satisfied because I know who God has called me to be. Whether I like it or not, I know that I'm called to be a messenger as a pastor in this capacity, in this role, because God called me to it. He designed me to it. I never would have thought that I was good at it, but for some reason God said, no, you are, and you got to do it. And so I'm, I'm stuck with you guys. Sorry. That's what I feel. It's like, I know what I'm called to do. And here's Paul going, you got to know what you're called to do. But every single one of you guys, you're called to be messengers too. Um, and you got to have this passion for it. In fact, Jeremiah the prophet in verse in chapter 20, verse 9 of Jeremiah, he says, but if I say I'll never mention the Lord or speak in his name, his word burns in my heart like a fire. It's like a fire in my bones. I'm worn out trying to hold it in. I can't do it. See, we got to remember that we're all called to be messengers somehow and that we should have some passion for that. Now, it may not be that you're a spokesman to the nations like Jeremiah or a pastor in front of all of these people, but there's two ways that we support the message. Here's the first way. Write this down. You support the message by being a messenger. Number one, all of us are called to be a messenger somehow, some way to someone. May not be a pastor, may not be, but you better have passion for someone. Because God says, look, I didn't just give you Jesus for you to be selfish with and just kind of wait it out until you go to heaven. I gave him to you in relationship with, with him for you so that you could tell other people. Every one of us should be passionate that says, I can't hold it in. I know I'm supposed to share with my brother. I know I'm supposed to share with my coworker. Oh, God, I can't, I can't not do it. I know I'm, I keep being compelled by the Holy Spirit. I have to talk about it. I have to pray for these people at the very least, that we should all realize we support the message, number one, by being messengers like Paul was in our own way, shape, or form. Because uh, it may look different to you because you may say, but I'm just a stay-at-home mom. Well, God has put you in contact with other stay-at-home moms or to your kids or to your neighbors. There's someone that God says, you yourself are a messenger. And the second way that we, that we support the message is, is what Paul's talking about today. We support the message by supporting other messengers. Just give people encouragement. Just thank them from time to time. When there's people in your life that you know are just, they're good-hearted people and they're trying to encourage other people in their walk with faith and someone's gossiping about them, you be the one to go in there and stop the gossip and defend them behind their back when they can. Hey, don't talk about this guy. That's a good guy. He brought me to the Lord. Don't talk about him like that. Go talk him to him to his face. Confront him in love and talk it through if you got a problem. Don't do that. You be that person that supports the messenger by, by blocking that stuff, that nastiness from other people. I love when I hear people come to me and go, hey, you know what? Someone was talking about you. And I'm like, oh, man. No, but I got him. Don't worry. I told them they need to talk to you to your face. And I told them this and that. I'm like, wow, thanks for having my back. I'll gladly talk to that person. But thank you that you got my back. That's cool. We need to be people that are supporting the other messengers. Be, be aware of thanking the people that sometimes don't get thanked too much, the Sunday school workers. And you guys should all go thank them. I need to remember, thank you for sending my kids home with verses and with knowledge of God and with faith planted in their heart because you're doing something that I'm not doing the best job at. Thank you for doing that. Thank the youth pastors. I was a youth pastor for like 12, 15 years. So youth pastors, I, I know, I can relate. Sometimes the youth pastors get like the bottom of the barrel jobs, right? It's like, oh, someone's got to go clean the parking lot. Oh, let's have the youth group do it, right? Like, that sucks, right? Like, why, why me, you know? And um, youth pastors, they have to put up with a lot. They have to put up with your kids, and you know how your kids are, right? In the teenage years, that's rough. And someone's over here volunteering to do that, you know? And they're taking your kids, and they're listening to all the drama. And you know what? The youth pastors absorb way more of the drama than the parents do because at that age, they don't want to tell the parents their life. 
what they unload on the youth pastors. And the youth pastors have a heavy responsibility to plant seeds. I was talking to a, with a parent the other day whose, whose kid has been off track and off and on for years and years. And now they're in a good, stable place in their life. And they're learning from God. But they're in a relationship with one of their old youth leaders. And the, the parent was thanking me for all the stuff, that the seeds that you guys planted in the youth years of my son. And he went through his ups and downs, but he's stable. But a lot of that is because the seeds that were planted, the foundation that was built. Go thank Frank. Go thank Brad for the job that they do. I mean, just, just show appreciation for people that have brought you along. Go bless the messengers in your life. I want to end with these two verses. They're found in the book of Hebrews chapter 13. First of all, in verse 7, it says, Remember your leaders who taught you the word of God. Think of all the good that has come from their lives and follow their example of, of their faith. Look at the people that have pushed you forward and you know what? Follow them. Use them as a godly example. Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. Right? Look for people that are a few steps ahead of you in the walk and follow them. And then in verse 17 of that same chapter 13, he says, obey your spiritual leaders and do what they say. Their work is to watch over your souls and they're accountable to God. See, I don't take my position lightly. I don't just clock in and go, I'm pastor today, and then I clock out. I realize that lives are on the line, and the words that I speak, they better be words from God. I better be speaking his word accurately and truthfully because I'm responsible for a lot of lives, and I can lead people astray if I'm not constantly going, God, I, I take this super seriously. Bless me, speak to me, give me wisdom, give me the words, God, I gotta do this thing right. He's going, Th thank those people. Obey them, take, take care, because their job is heavy. They're accountable to God. Give them a reason to do this with joy. Underline that, highlight that one in your Bibles. Please give me a reason to do this with joy. Make me happy, guys. Uh, do, give reason to do this with joy and not with sorrow. That would certainly not be for your benefit. And here's the verse I love the most of all in verse 18. Pray for us. Pray for us, for our conscience is clear and we want to live honorably in everything we do. Again, people always forget to pray for pastors and spiritual leaders because we think, they're holy, they're righteous, they're covered. But, but we need prayers more than anybody. And I value your prayers, God. I love when people come to me and they say, hey, Pastor Carl, you and your family and your kids, you're on our prayer list every single night. I'm like, oh, I'm so honored, I'm so blessed. And here's the thing, I can feel it. I feel when things are getting weird and rough in my life and my mind's going out of control, I can feel that this peace and this, this stability comes in and this encouragement from God that I'm not capable of reaching out to for myself and I know that people are praying for me, and I love that. When I go on mission trips and people pray, somehow I have energy that I don't have at home, and I, I have wisdom, and I say things that I'm like, I, we should record that, because back, back home, they need to hear how good I am, right? But I know it's because people are praying for me and building me up, and stuff is coming. I'm like, wow, I'm pretty smart. That's cool. But I know it's because of those prayers, and so just support the church leaders, but any person in your life who's a spiritual leader, let's continue to build a culture and a mindset that is kingdom-minded, that is generous, that is thankful. We have an attitude of gratitude, and we build up the messengers. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we just uh, thank you, Father God, for all the people in our lives that have built us into who we are today. Lord, and we know ultimately it's you and your power, but Lord, thank you for the messengers. Thank you for those that delivered the word. Thank you for those that have been praying for us, and we don't even know it. Lord, I know there's people in this room that I'm so stoked to see in here today that ever since I met them, I've been praying for them to find the, the day that they would find you. And Lord, if you could use me in the process at all, that's great. But Lord, I just, I want them to know you. That's the biggest cry of my heart. Lord, I thank you for those people that, that are here today because of that. But Lord, I thank you for the people in my life that invested in me, that have brought me to the place where I'm at. Lord, my parents, number one, first of all, Lord, just who they are and just the, the great things they've done for your kingdom. But Lord, in a selfish, personal sense, what they've done for me in my life personally. I thank you for them, Lord. I honor them. I pray that you would bless them. I pray that you'd bless all of those that keep us in track, the mini church shepherds, just the Christian friends that call from time to time, that pray for us, that support us, that support our, our kids, our lives, our families, our jobs. Lord, even those people in this church that have, that have been there enough to care and to help us find jobs and to bless us when times are tough financially, the story we heard from Noah this morning, people loved him enough and spurred him on into his calling with, with you, Lord, in missions, that they wrote checks for him. Lord, all the people that, that sometimes can't make it to men's or women's camp, but they're writing checks so that other people can go. Lord, all of those things, the people that donate to missions so that people can, can find their missionary calling in this world, Lord, we thank you for them, Lord. Help us to be people like that. Help us to be generous, but help us to also be messengers. Lord, right now as we're praying, 
I want to speak to a different set of people. It may just be a few people in this room, but it's the people that have never really made a real strong commitment or step towards Jesus Christ. You've never really made that full-on commitment to say, I am a Christian, God, I follow you. I want you in every area of my life. I want my life to be blessed. I want to say a prayer for you if that's you this morning and you're, you're at a place where you're ready to just listen to God and go for it and go do things his way. If that's you, I want to say a prayer with you and for you. I'm going to lead you in a prayer. And how we're going to do it is I'm going to pray the words out loud. I will not ask you to pray them out loud in front of all these people. I know that's got to be kind of scary and embarrassing. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to say some words out loud. And I'm going to ask that you would make those words the cry of your heart right now to God. That you would pray this prayer, but you don't have to pray it out loud. God hears you and he honors the, the prayers of your heart. And we're going to pray a prayer just to make things right and for you to become a Christian right now and for God to change your life from this day forward all the way into eternity. And if you want to pray that prayer with me just to really say yes to God and become a Christian, I'm going to ask you to do one thing. The people seated around you, their eyes are closed and their heads are bowed. But if you would like to pray that prayer, I want you just to let me know that we're praying together this morning because I just want to be blessed to lead you in this prayer. I want you to, I'm going to count to three and I want you to raise your hand on three just so I know who I'm praying with this morning because I'm so stoked to be able to pray this with you. But if that's the prayer that you want to make right now this morning to give your life to God and to follow him, on the count of three, just raise your hand. Ready? One, two, three. Anybody in the house? I see one hand, two hands right here. I'm looking around. Three, four. Thank you, Lord. So about four hands up. Thank you, Father God, for those hands and those hearts. Go ahead and put them down, and I want you just to pray with me right now this prayer in your heart of hearts. God, simple prayer. I'm here. I recognize that you're real. I'm taking a step of faith, and Lord, I'm going to say right now, I'm going to do things your way. I say yes to you. I receive the payment that you paid for my life when you sent your son Jesus to die on that cross. Lord, that he would take all my sin, shame, guilt, hurt, loneliness, ugliness, depression, addiction, all of that, that he put that to death on the cross. He paid the price for me. If I say yes to you, Lord, I accept that full forgiveness and that payment, and Lord, your son Jesus rose from the dead on the third day and he overcame all that stuff. So Lord, he has overcome it in my life as well. I embrace that. I take a hold of that. From this moment on, Lord, I will follow you. I'll read your Bible to know you better. Lord, I'll, I'll learn to pray and talk to you all throughout the day, through all things, my needs, my wants, my thanks, my praise, everything. Lord, I want to know you personally, knowing that you're going to speak back to me. Lord, I promise to be a part of this church or any church that is a Bible-believing church that pushes me closer in my walk to Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray that you'd surround me with people, the family of God, to be there for me, to have my back, to prop me up. Lord, I pray that you would fill me with the full power of your Holy Spirit. Lord, I want to see miracles in my life. I want to know that you are real, and I need some changes that only you can make, Lord. I embrace that power in my life right now, Father. I promise to get water baptized as a symbol of just dying to my old self, of being washed clean and anew. What you're already doing in my heart, Lord, I want to be able to do in front of people and let them know that I've been baptized, that I've been saved. But Lord, most of all, thank you for loving me and accepting me as your child. This morning, today changes everything, Lord. Thank you for that. And in Jesus' mighty name, we all said amen. We praise God for about four people that joined our family this morning. For real.